0: Mac Power Users, Episode 248, Revisiting, Cutting the Cord. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. And uh, we've got a very special friend with us. Uh, Back to Mac Power Users. Uh, Welcome Bradley Chambers
1: hey
2: guys how are y'all how we tonight
0: we're, we're doing good so uh, you are also a cord cutter and I I think uh, it's been gosh almost 200 episodes since we last discussed cord cutting and uh, thought we we'd bring some friends back to, to revisit this episode
1: and, and the interesting thing is when we did it last time you had just Cut the cord.
0: Just cut the cord. I think within the last month or two, I just experimented with cutting the cord, and and here we are now, over over three years later, and I'm still cordless. Okay, so, so I know
1: at one point you were talking like you may have to go back to cable.
0: I, I I briefly flirted back with cable. I went back for a month or two, and then cut it again. Said, nope, done with this. Wow,
1: just yep. a month. Get this out of my house.
0: Yeah, it was pretty. It it, it took the cable company that long to irritate me.
1: Probably took that long to make the appointment too. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. <laughs> well,
1: but Bradley, I, I thought a having cord
0: some too. yeah, some unique, pers- some other perspective would be helpful on the show. Well, yeah. if there's something
2: that has you know one topic that has changed from like kind of your maybe we'll call it season one of Mac Power Users, uh, cord cutting has changed so dramatically in really even the past six months, and so it's it, yeah, it's definitely worth looking at again, and it's not necessarily for everyone. But it's something I think a lot of people. I mean, if they would just try it, they realize like we're you're fine without it, and it's not cheap. And a lot of stuff on TV is kind of garbage. So yeah, Yeah. it's it's fun to look at, and I you know I wrote a guide on the tools and toys website on all the gear you would need to to cut the cord. And again, it's like it's not always a turnkey solution, but it's it's I love talking about it because it is. You do kind of explore different types of technology. You have good discussions about Wi-Fi strength, and yeah, it's a it's a fun topic.
0: Well, and I, another th- reason, uh, Bradley, that I wanted you to come on is because you have a very different cord cutting um, setup than I do, and so I think it'll be unique to get a couple of of different perspectives. And of course, David, you're you're different from all of us. You've you've got the opposite perspective.
1: Well, I guess. I mean, I'm uh, I, I have not cut my cord. And yeah, in fact, I think the whole statement cutting the cord is kind of misleading. Because That's true. We should we should
0: clarify because we'll get the emails.
1: Well, I mean, when you say cutting the cord, it means you're no longer paying for cable TV. It doesn't mean you're no longer paying for Internet to your house for which for most of the people in America is uh, their cable provider.
0: That's true. I do get a monthly bill from my cable provider for my Internet service. And And I do still have a coaxial cable coming into my house.
1: And so I've got and I've got four people in my house with very different interests and in entertainment. So um, that is something we need to, um, you know, we're always challenged. I mean, cutting the cord or cutting off cable in my house uh, would have uh, interesting effects on my wife and children. But the um, uh, but the big thing in my I'm kind of skeptical about the whole thing, because every time I look into this, it seems like they want so much money. If I were just to turn off my TV feed, I'd be paying quite a bit you know, a little bit less, but quite a pretty close to how much I'm paying for my existing cable plus TV package. And then I'd have to go buy these other things that we're going to talk about in the show. So I'm skeptical about it. So just I guess that's my job in the show is to say, well, how is this really going to work at the end of the day? So good.
0: You should you could be the skeptic. All right. All right. So um, let's let's talk a little philosophical for for a minute. Um, And that is kind of why do people Cut the cable and and I think there are a lot of different reasons you know, certainly one that you hear often is cost that's certainly a, a big reason for many but it's it's not the only reason uh, you know Bradley, you were doing some calculations before the show do do you know how much how long have you been a cord cutter?
2: It will be three years this August, and you know and i was- ca- i was I was calculating those things now, I guess I should clarify these calculations so um Like, my cable package, if I were to sign back up, is $80 a month, okay? So, I I calculated that I would do $80 times 36 for three years, and it's, you know, over $2,800 that I've saved. But I didn't calculate in the cost of Netflix, because I would have Netflix regardless. Mm -hmm. And then... One of the things I should probably, obviously, back out of that is I do pay for a DVR for my off-air antenna, so I should probably, you know, that costs me fifteen dollars a month. So I should probably, in reality, subtract that cost, you know, from that to be, you know, to be truly accurate. But yeah, I mean, I've I've certainly have saved over two thousand dollars in the past three years, and and that's one of the things. And we we even talked about like three months ago getting cable back, and we like called and said that's going to be eighty dollars a month, and it's not the eighty that gets me. It's when you do eighty times twelve, and it's like if you had to pay for it in one payment, would you pay for it? And that was like kind of my gut check in terms of like we just don't, we would not get enough value out of it. Now, you know, like we talked about David's situation, he's got multiple people in his house, they like varying degrees of content. You know, let's say, again, he's paying $80 a month. If you look at cable on a, like, entertainment uh, kind of per hour cost, it's relatively cheap compared to going to the movies, going out to eat. It really, any other form of leisure activity, it provides a lot of value if you watch it.
0: Well, especially if you multiply that times multiple members of the household.
2: Exactly. And because, again, if you're going to have to, like, pay for Netflix for, you know, the the upgraded streams. And and so that's why I've always said, like, it's not for everyone. It makes sense for us right now. But my children are also four and 20 months and I have one on the way, which I I probably haven't announced that publicly yet. But, yeah, we have one on the way as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and
0: that's a we got a Mac power user exclusive here, folks.
2: Well, actually, I did mention it on my podcast that came out uh, today. So it's the second time. It's not been publicly announced by probably to anybody. uh, I don't don't know that we have any cross listeners. We may. But, um, yeah, so my my wife is uh, about 13 weeks pregnant. And so like we, we watch cartoons. I mean, that is our life. We are watching cartoons on Netflix, and that's just what we do. And now the, the, kids, the kids
0: the kids are watching you know the news and international affairs it's it's you and your wife that are watching cartoons clearly Just to be clearly clear. yeah we're right. watching
2: the the Scooby Doo and so our content's very directed and then my wife and I by the time we get the kids in bed half the time I'm ready to go to bed as well and so we do not watch near as much television as we did years ago and so there may be a time when like my my kids are teenagers we may say look we're getting cable back like they, there's things they want to watch there's things that we want to watch let's get cable back but the, of course the question remains uh you know 10 years from now what does cable even look like because right. it may change you <laughs> know crazy. it may be something completely different
1: it's it's you know it's interesting my kids are big fans of watching youtube and netflix which would tend me to, you know lead me to think that we could be cord cutters but there's a lot of shows they like that are on network tv that i think would you know they would really miss so and for me, I think a lot of this for people is the money. I mean, why else would you go through all this hassle? Because what we're going to describe in the show is kind of a hassle. You know, you got to go get an antenna, you got to do this and that. Why not just pay them to to bring the TV into your house? Yeah. But but the uh, the, the problem is the thing just keeps creeping up every month. I can tell you, my cable isn't eighty dollars a month. It's quite a well, bit more. Well, and, content
2: prices are a. It's a very tough game. I, before I worked, I work in education now, but and I have for the past six years, but I used to work for a small telecommunications company in a, a city called Ringgold, Georgia. And they had, and there's actually this, the second IP-based TV product in, in the nation. And what that is, is they were actually pumping video content over a DSL connection. It was, you know, what you'd know is traditional TV, but it was instead of coax, it was coming over DSL or fiber. So it was pretty innovative. But I sat in on some of those um, meetings where they talked about the content prices, and again, I'm, I'm certain if you're a Comcast or you're a charter, it's a little bit more negotiation. But we were told what we were paying for ESPN. They would say, you're going to pay $5 per month per subscriber for ESPN, and then you're going to pay this, this, and this for these other channels, and you have to take those. And so, you know, it's it's frustrating to like kind of you know get on to Comcast or get on to AT&T about the content pricing, but... It's. A, I mean, they're getting their prices raised every year by the content providers. I mean, so what else can they do? And So if, if there's anybody to be mad at, in a way, it's the folks like ESPN, because they're the ones that are driving the prices up every year.
1: And they're getting it. That's the, that's the trick.
2: What are you going to do? I mean, every yeah. cable company has to have ESPN. You'd never have anyone sign up if you didn't have ESPN. So they've got everyone over a barrel. And then from an advertising perspective, live sports are, is still the most lucrative.
1: Yeah. Because that's when people will not. Well, actually, some people do uh, pause and forward those, but a lot of people don't. Um, Well, Well, we've got a lot to cover here.
0: Yeah. Speaking a little bit about, you know, the cost factor, I I will warn you, you know, one of the things to know about the cost factor is that your costs may go up a little bit if you unbundle, you know, the cable companies want to sell you the bundle deal where you get the triple play or the double play or whatever with your phone and your internet and your, your cable service. And one of the things that I noticed is that the the price that I paid for my cable internet service went up when I got rid of my phone and my cable TV service. And I was also, it, You know, it's hard to say what my current cable bill would be, but it seems like I was more susceptible to cable or to Internet price hikes than I was when I was bundled. And so I've noticed that, you know, I'm probably paying $10 more a month now for cable Internet service than I was those, um, you know, three and a half years ago. When I cut the cord, now whether I would have been anyway as part of a bundle, probably some, but maybe not quite that much. So those are those are things to to be aware of. And I, I will tell you, as I, I mentioned earlier in the show, there was a brief period of time that I f- I went back to cable because people were telling me, oh, well, just call your cable company and they have these you know typically unadvertised packages where you can get basic basic cable. Um, which is, you know, usually a tier lower than whatever you see them advertise and get the internet. And by, by the time you bundle it and get the bundle discount, you know, you're typically getting the the cable for free or for only a couple of bucks. And I did that and it worked, it worked well for the first month, but you know, month two comes around and boy, did they, did they crank up the price on me? And it was month two that, that I unsubscribed and, and went back to my antenna. So that may be an alternative for people who are who are thinking about it is, is to look and see, you know, what other deals they can get.
2: You know, David, you mentioned YouTube earlier, and it's funny to watch my oldest son like he he to him. YouTube is the same as Netflix. Like there, there are no differences between you know, between the two for him. Obviously, we know there's a difference because like he likes to watch kids play with toys. Don't ask me why. But apparently and it's the it's same thing. Kids at our school love to watch other kids play Minecraft. I don't get it, but it's it's definitely a thing. And so when I'm like, my mother-in-law has cable and we go over there and I think, this is garbage. Like, I cannot find anything. The user interface is terrible. The DVR is slow. And, and then I think of like how we consume entertainment. I watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. And I, I'm not channel surfing. So it's like, I'm wondering if there's like almost a philosoph- philosophical thing happening here versus like. The old style of channel surfing and and terrible user interfaces and having to put up with what you want to put up with versus like, you know, again, even if you end up paying more to get various streaming services, but if you're happier with them. So I I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know really where I'm getting with that other than like the kids today are growing up in a different entertainment environment than than we did.
1: Yeah, and we've got in that line later, this discussion, I mean, there's a rumor out that seems to be getting quite a bit of weight behind it, that Apple's going to come up with a subscription service of their own that's going to get you into network TV. And it's going to have an Apple pretty interface on it. And once again, to make that work, you're going to still need to have your cable to get your internet in your house but it's an alternative to if this actually happens. And I was thinking the same thing as Bradley was just verbalizing that, you know, if I had to pay the same or even slightly more, but the thing worked better. uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd be interested in that. We'll see. But the, um, Anyway, what were you saying, Katie?
0: Well, what you guys were getting to earlier is, is really kind of the value argument of of where are the eyeballs? You know, you were talking about your kids watching Netflix and, and YouTube versus actually watching what's on TV. I think that's another reason that a lot of people decide to cut the cable is that they're, they when you do just a cost-benefit analysis, you know, look at what you're paying. Are you actually watching the channels that they're feeding through, you know, the coax to you? Well,
2: and I think it's an... Important to remember, and I, we've had some. I've had some good discussions on Twitter with people. Is everybody's ultimate dream is to get? They think if they just don't have the cable company, it's all coming over the internet. They're going to pay like eight dollars a month and get everything.
0: Well, not, or, or a la carte that I can right. pick and choose that I can I can get CNN but not ESPN that I can get HGTV but not have to buy USA or you know I'm, and I'm making these up obviously but that I can pick and choose only the ones I want and not have to get the other ones or pay for the other ones.
2: You know, the the key thing about you have to understand about cable TV is it's socialism that actually works, is that your niche channels are 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 only able to be on there because of the more popular channels. And as soon as like if we do end up, if there is like a truly an unbundle, you will pay ridiculous amounts for channels, especially for ones that are not as popular because they I mean, they have the same amount of cost. And so it's you know, we're not going to get Hollywood level content, all the channels we want. $10 $10 a month. Like, it's just not happening. And yeah, so, I and, and, and I think that was like the dream people had for years, like just send it over the internet. It's free. Well, somebody's got to get paid. And, and, and so I, I just don't think that like, you're going to like, you know, have a $10 add on and put it on the internet and it's going to be free. And someone made the point there saying, well, it works for Netflix. And someone made the point to me that says, you have to look at Netflix. Like you do a channel, Netflix, you pay $8 a month for that channel. There's a lot of garbage on it. There's also some good stuff. And we choose to pay $8 a month for that channel. And I thought that was the best description of Netflix I've ever heard, because it's exactly true. It's just like Hulu. It's a channel.
1: Well, and I don't want to get too political, but it seems to me that, you know, the cable companies, they have basically localized monopolies for good reasons. I mean, that's would be very difficult if they all had to build out networks in every community. But they also are not that regulated. And I think the the problem that so many of us have that see these bills, you know, creeping to $200 every month is that there's no competition for these guys. And it, we, there's a, at least a perception that I have, and I'm sure a lot of other customers do, that, you know, these guys are doing just fine and they really aren't seeking to be more price competitive or find ways to better serve the community. Instead, they say they're going to be there between one o'clock and six o'clock and then they may come and then when they leave, it may work or it may not work. And it's just it's just a terrible experience. And I think that's a whole nother reason why people are tempted to try and cut the cord.
0: You know, that's that's true. I have not had any complaints about the level of service I've received from my cable guy since I cut the cord. Because I've become the cable guy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But you still need a cable guy to get the internet in your house. You still need the pipe connected. That's true. That's that's true. Although, although knock on wood,
0: that's, that's, that's stayed pretty stable since then.
1: I mean, maybe someday in the future, that won't be the case anymore. Maybe, you know, wireless technologies will get to a point where we all grab it off the satellite or something else is installed or, you know, who knows. But it seems to me that... When that happens, then things can truly get upset. But right now, uh, if the whole world were to cut the cable, cut the, the cable television, I would I would imagine that cable companies would find a way to raise prices for that pipe, that Internet pipe. Yeah. And look, look how much power they put behind net neutrality. You know, I mean, it's. These guys are, are serious players. But anyway, um, like I said, I think I'm going into a tangent here. Let's talk well, about how do we cut the cord?
0: Yeah. And, and before you get into too much trouble for going off on your tangent, before oh, we go yeah, there. I'm already in trouble. Yeah, you're, you're in trouble. Please send your emails directly to David. I don't. Yeah. Uh, why don't I take a quick break and tell us about our, our first sponsor? And that's actually a new sponsor to Mac Power users. Uh, so we do want to welcome Warby Parker on as a sponsor. Uh, I'm a big fan of Warby Parker, so I'm so thrilled to have them on Mac Power users. I'm a user of Warby Parker, and they are a new concept in eyewear. Uh, Warby Parker offers contemporary glasses that are extremely affordable and fashion forward. Um, So I had to get my eyes checked uh, when I went back to school. I realized I was having a little trouble reading the board. Uh, And i had heard about Warby Parker before. So I went and I saw my eye doctor and he gave me a new prescription that was quite a tweak from my old prescription. And so I decided that uh, I definitely needed some new eyeglasses to go on with that. So I went to Warby Parker, uh, and it was a great experience. I was able to uh, pick out up to five pairs of glasses that I could try for my home try-on program. And let me tell you, my coworkers and my family got the biggest kick out of the home try-on program. I think they were more excited than I was because I picked out my five pairs of glasses. They all got shipped to me. I picked some that were pretty conservative and that I thought that I would like, and then I picked a couple that were, that were kind of out there and, and not my style. And so they shipped me all these frames with, you know, fake lenses in them. And I got to keep them for five days and everybody had an opinion. So everybody, you know, I got to go try on the glasses and walk around the office and then I'd take them over to my parents' house. Then my brother and his girlfriend wanted to see them. I mean, everybody wanted to see these glasses. Everybody wanted to have an opinion, but they all thought that it was the neatest thing. We finally found the lenses uh, that were right for me. It wasn't quite a consensus, but most people agreed on the ones that were right for me. Um, And then I went online and I ordered them. And the best part of it it all is that they were so reasonably priced because the Prescription glasses start at just $95, including lenses. Uh, they have options for both glasses, reading glasses, and sunglasses. I mean, the last pair of glasses that I bought that had nothing fancy cost me over three times that. So uh, if you want to check these out, go to warbyparker.com slash MacPower. Uh, you can choose your five free pairs. For your home try on frames. When you send the frames back, you choose your favorite pair. And when you go to that link, again, that's warbyparker.com slash MacPower, you'll get free three day shipping on your final frames. Uh, I have been so happy with my Warby Parker glasses. I've actually got three pairs now. Uh, I keep, you know, one in the house, one in my backpack, one at the office. Um, I'm just so happy with them. And one of the really cool things about Warby Parker is that when you shop there, not only are you getting yourself a great pair of glasses, but you're also helping contributing to a charitable cause because you. You buy a pair and they give a pair of glasses uh, to someone in need. So go help yourself. Go help someone else and get free three-day shipping uh, when you go to Warby Parker. That's W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R dot com slash Mac Power. And thanks to Warby Parker for their support of the chef.
1: Okay, so let's say you want to cut the cord. Um, how are you going to get some of the content that you're used to seeing, like just the regular TV channels? It's not as easy as it used to be, right?
0: Well, for me, the first thing that I did, and I think an important thing to do, is to figure out what are you watching and where can you get it. And so when I really did an analysis of what I was watching, I found that most of what I was watching, and I would say 90 plus percent of what I was watching, were the big network shows. And by the major networks, I mean here in the U.S., ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. And with a little research, I found that those were all channels that were available in my area um, over the year with a HD antenna. And so uh, that was my first step: is I went out and bought an inexpensive HD antenna. I got the uh, the bow tie antenna from Mono Price to start. It was twenty bucks. That's actually still the antenna that I'm using today, four years later. Um, I've tried a number of ones, and that's still the one that I've picked. And I've been pretty happy. I can get, I think, 11 channels, um, including all the major networks, and um, and HD. And Bradley, I know you've got some opinions on antenna choice.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny with antennas. I can't think of another time in history that we've actually reverted back to very old technology. You, you know, this is, you know, antennas is something they used you know, decades ago. And now we're thinking, like, these are the greatest things ever. Because, again, it's... Free And it is crystal clear. I mean, to me, an antenna is a much better picture quality than coming off the cable company because it's seems like it's less compressed. And so I have a Leaf Amplified Indoor Antenna and I have tried multiple um, ones as well. I tried some cheapos from Radio Shack, rest in peace. But and then I have I've tried the Leaf Outdoor one as well. But the outdoor one didn't get me as good. It get me as good as picture quality as the indoor amplified one. So I just kind of stuck with that because it was it was easier. And um, like you, Katie, I I get like my major networks. We're the way our cities spread out. Like I'm, the, the the stations are in kind of different directions. But thankfully, I live central enough to where I do get all the channels. And occasionally something will hiccup. And I found that. The seasons affect that. Like, I seem to get a little worse reception in the summer. And I think it's because of, like, all the trees having their leaves. And we have some very, very tall trees near our house. And then certainly, if like there's a bad storm that can also make it hiccup as well. But, yeah, it's just with antennas. Like, I would recommend people buy a couple and see which one works the best. You know, buy them from a place you can easily return them. Because, again, I mean, you're going to get free TV with that. I mean, it's it's straight up over the air free no subscription no nothing and if the majority of your content you watch on major networks there's your there's your solution
0: yeah i'll echo what you said and that I, I have found um again i just happen to have settled on the first antenna that I tried. But one of the things that I found is that there was a lot of trial and error involved in finding just the right placement. And I too went through a number of antennas. I actually tried the LEAF and it didn't work as well for me. But one of the things that I found is that very minute changes in placement can have very dramatic differences in whether you receive a channel or don't receive a channel. Um, and and it, it it's just witchcraft almost, you know, it's a lot of trial and error. And especially if the TV isn't in the same room where you're positioning the antenna, um, you know, that that can be fun. A lot of here, hold this and go run and check. And here, you know, move it a little bit and go run and check. But it's it's a lot of trial and error. And, and you're really going to be balancing, you know, different goals, you know, one of my goals was I, I knew I wanted the antenna in a specific room. You know, another goal was I really didn't want the antenna visible. And, and you know, so I kind of had to compromise on some things. And believe it or not, and maybe I'll post this picture in the show notes, if I if I still have it, I may have gotten rid of it. I actually have the antenna in the closet of my guest bedroom with the wiring kind of running down the side of the closet and neatly tucked underneath the, the baseboards, you know, to plug back in behind the TV because I, I didn't want to see it. And, I you know... I, I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, in a position that that wasn't gonna be an eyesore and uh that was tough. But you know once I found the right placement, I was just it was like voodoo. It was just don't don't touch it. Don't anybody ever touch it.
1: So it's not seasonal for you? I mean you don't have that problem.
0: I I can, but a lot of it depends on the placement of the antenna. You know, for a long time I had the antenna in a window and I had I had more trouble seasonally and I also had trouble when um some trees that were little saplings Um, grew up and started blocking the view. So now that I've got the antenna placed higher, um, I've got it probably four or five feet higher now than it was before. I found that that's less of an issue.
2: And I've found that different channels, like different broadcast companies, have better antennas. Like our NBC affiliate made a big investment in their over-the-air capabilities a few years ago. And so it may not be just on your end. It may be your your broadcast companies. Now, if you live in the U.S., you can go to an, antennaweb.org and you can plug in your address and it'll kind of basically tell you where the towers are, what channels it thinks you can get. Again, that's not going to be perfect. And I don't know of a, of a resource like that for outside of the U.S., unfortunately. But again, that's why my big thing is just like get a couple, try. If you do get anything indoor, get the Amplified model. Definitely Amplified. And one of the things that's neat, like in David's situation where you've got like four or five people that want to watch TV, if your RG6 coax wiring is centralized either to like a junction box in a closet or to, a locked that was on the outside of the house, you could plug in an outdoor antenna into your coax splitter and you could feed every TV in your house off that one antenna and that,
0: that's, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's essentially what I do. That's that's why I have the antenna in the spare bedroom because I've got that's why I wanted it in that particular bedroom because I've got it backfed through the cable wire in that bedroom and I just switched that to be my my in uh in the junction box. And I just basically swapped the wires so now that antenna feeds my entire house. Just
2: as a side note, when I um when I was trying the Leaf outdoor antenna, I discovered under my, where my coax runs out to the outside that there was a, a hornet's nest on there. And so I got stung quite nicely when I was testing that. So I, I had bad memories about trying that outdoor antenna because I got stung. I don't know why I told y'all that, but yeah. yeah.
0: Pro, pro tip, check for bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so...
1: I used to be terrified of wasp nests. I don't know. It must have been something when I was a kid. The one time we had them on the house, and I um, I had to take them down. So I went to Home Depot, got the spray, and I I was like, I was like, looked like a stormtrooper. I had so much stuff on, and you just squirt the spray on the wasps, and they just fall out of it dead. It was very anticlimactic. I um, hate bugs. Can, hate bugs. Can,
0: can I tell you a quick ex-boyfriend story about a wasp?
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't I'm, think we've ever had an ex-boyfriend. We story haven't power users. I I
0: can't. Let's hear it. There, there's a reason it's an ex-boyfriend story. Okay. Yeah. So um, we I had this a uh, problem in this condo that I was living in a while ago, but the, just the the wasp just absolutely loved it, and so I had like this super high jet power like wasps spray that like you would, you would touch this thing and it would shoot out like 30 feet, this like mammoth foam, foam spray thing. I mean, you'd think this was like used by the fire department, the way that this thing would jet out. And um, so he had come over for something and he said, you know, you've got a, you've got a big wasp nest out there. And I said, oh, well, there's some, some spray right there under, underneath the cabinet. And um, he went over and he starts shaking it up and he lets it off inside the house. And, like, there's this foam wasp spray everywhere. It was, yeah, didn't last long after that. Sorry.
1: Yeah. The, then Katie knew. Get out the bat lift.
0: <laughs> be like, be, clearly, I have to take care of everything myself. And clearly,
2: yeah. That well, right. makes you feel good for the cable guys because they're the ones that have to do that at everybody's house and deal with the bugs and pulling cable. And, no, thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, and dinner had been cooked. It was, like, all over the dinner. It was, it was not good. Anyway, sorry moving on.
1: I can just imagine the look on <laughs> Katie Floyd's face. I had,
0: I had just cooked dinner. It was on the table. It was all, I'm like, I'm done. We're not eating that now.
1: If, if I was that guy I just would have very carefully set the, the spray down and just turned around and walked out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, moving on. So, and antennas, any, um, any other tips or, or thoughts for antennas now that we've completely gone derailed? We'll edit all that out, right?
2: Well, course, I, think, like always. Yeah. I think for me with antennas is don't expect it to be perfect. I used to get very frustrated like if it was flaky some nights, but then just realize like it's an antenna. It's not going to be perfect. If you want it perfect, you're going to have to get cable TV.
1: And yeah, so let, let me inter- interject here. That's, so that's a question for me. It's like, is this like the old days where like channel two and four looked great and channel 13? Actually, it was just the opposite. It used to be that the higher the channel seemed like the better it worked. But the um, is it going to be like that where you're going to have channels that just don't look very good anymore?
2: They all look great. I mean, so it's not going to be like where some are, I mean, they're all high def. And so with digital, it's kind of like either you get it or you don't. But right. it can like hiccup and maybe the sound drops out or if it gets kind of jittery for a second, again, it's not going to be perfect. Like, and it's going to depend on your location and it's going to depend on location, your antenna, the weather, your surroundings, your broadcast company, like it's going to depend on a lot of things. And that's why like, it's probably something just to experiment with even before you cut off cable, because if getting those channels for free is a key part of your cut the cable strategy, just try it beforehand before you go through all the hassle.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's a it's a digital signal. So it's really you either get it or you don't. But what you will tend to get is some of this pixelation where it'll freeze and stutter and, and then it will come back. And so I I completely agree. In fact, I tried the antenna um, for a full month before I cut the cable and I and I ran the two systems in parallel because I didn't want to go through cutting the cable uh, and then having to, to pay to reinstate it and all of that. So I, I went with a dual system for a month before I I decided, OK, this is good enough. I can do this.
1: Okay, so we're going to get a new antenna, and that's going to get us the basic uh, over-the-air stations.
0: Yeah, and and that may be good enough, you know. And then obviously you can you can then start supplementing, but it's it's once you get beyond that, that's that's when you start adding money. Because remember, if you said that one of these goals was to to save money, all right, you've you've, you've bought your antenna, you've probably spent a hundred bucks or less on that. Now you're saving your money, but from where we go beyond, now you're spending all that money again.
1: Yeah. And, and you're still also spending money on internet, but you know, this may be an American, U.S. centric thing, because I know some of our international listeners don't have to pay their same people for their internet service. So they're going to pay that no matter what.
0: Right. And you're probably paying something for internet regardless. You're not just going to get your internet for free.
1: Yeah. OK, so let's talk about spending money now.
0: OK, that's, what do that's you do next?
1: Part. I mean, you, you've got the basic channels. Um, what do you guys start adding on to the top of that?
2: I think for me and I think for a lot of people, Netflix is going to be your staple, especially for people with young children. It's got a wealth of uh, cartoons and things like that. And so it's really a good value at eight dollars a month if you watch it. Now I'll say there have been times here recently that like I realize that I've watched nothing on Netflix for months. You know, of course I obviously watched you know the news, House of Cards. I I will say that I've watched like every episode of Friends since it's been on there. I love that show and it was on, so I've rewatched all of that. But Netflix, I think for people with kids, is going to be a staple. But if you don't, if you don't necessarily have anything on Netflix that you want to watch, I wouldn't necessarily make it the default. It can be something that you can sign up for when house of cards comes out cancel it until the new season of arrested development comes out then cancel it again
0: yeah i i am not a regular netflix subscriber i i bought netflix when I cut the cable, because I kind of assumed, oh, this is the thing that you do. Now I've cut the cable. Now I'm going to save all this money. So I need to find some content source. I, I need to watch Netflix. And I realized fairly quickly that there were, like you said, many months where I didn't watch Netflix. So now what I do is I subscribe to Netflix very seasonally. And I think Netflix has a problem with this and they realize that many of their subscribers are seasonal. So you may have noticed that they've started staggering the release dates of some of their exclusive content. So I'll subscribe to Netflix for a month or two when House of Cards is released and I'll watch House of Cards and then I'll turn it off, and you know, especially if you subscribe through iTunes, they make that very easy. Although I, I think they do if you subscribe direct through Netflix as well. Um, and then I'll I'll resubscribe this summer when Orange Is the New Black comes out, and then probably another month or two I'll I'll turn that back off. So out of the entire year, I may only be a Netflix subscriber, you know, two to four months out of the year. But I'll tell you what I what I do today subscribe to um, is I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. And I found that although the Amazon Prime catalog is not as comprehensive as the Netflix catalog, it is pretty darn good. And if I'm home on a Saturday night and I'm looking for something to watch, I can almost always find something on Amazon Prime, whether it's a old TV series that I wanna go back and rewatch or whether it's a movie that I never caught when it was first released. I'm finding that with the exception of those, you know, special shows that are that are Netflix exclusive, Amazon Prime is almost as, as good as Netflix for me. And you get a whole lot more. I mean, it's, it's $100 a year now, although if you're a student, um, I think you can get it for 50 and that may also work for teachers and educators as well. You'll have to check the, the terms of that deal. But in addition to the the streaming catalog on Prime, um, you know, which if you take eight bucks a month times 12 months, I mean, that in itself is almost worth it. But you get so much other content. You get the, the Prime shipping. You get the music. You get the photos. In fact, Dave and I have kicked around the idea of, of, of doing a show at least fully or partially on all the benefits of Amazon Prime.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that because it's an add-on. You're going to have, I mean, I'm going to have Amazon Prime regardless of whether they have the TV stuff because I want the free shipping. And so, yeah, I think Amazon is an easy add-on. Of course, you do have to question how long can they offer all that for $100 a year because I know they are losing money. There's no way they're making money on any of that.
0: Well, the, the way they make it up is Amazon has now become my default place to buy things.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, I guess if you figure, though, how much you're getting versus like, what are their shipping costs on you? Now, obviously, they they must have the math worked out, but it just feels like it's one of those things where it's almost like too good of a deal to be true.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. But if you're going to be paying for Amazon anyway, don't overlook Amazon Prime. The one thing that that makes Amazon Prime a little more difficult and Amazon Prime really didn't click for me until I got a smart TV that had Amazon Prime built in because my primary box is the Apple TV and I know yours isn't but Apple TV isn't easy on Amazon Prime you can you can use the Amazon app and then airplay it but that's that's still kind of a bit of a pain and so when I got a a smart TV a couple of months ago that had Amazon Prime built in and all I do is hit a button on the remote that made it real easy. And then all of a sudden I've got a fire. That's one of the reasons why I bought one of the fire sticks. And we'll talk about those a little bit later. Um, and then there was a, a new service that, that just launched and I know you reviewed it. I think for, um, I think you reviewed it uh, called sling TV. Uh, no, you, I,
2: it was on Tolls and Toys, but I, it wasn't me that it wasn't in. you. Okay. It wasn't, uh, but you know, sling TV, it's interesting because, you know, when you, when I think of Sling, I think a Sling Sling Player, and Dish yeah, the Network. old Sling
1: Box, yeah, well, yeah
2: you know, which Dish Network owns all that. And then we found out at CES this year that they had a Sling TV that was coming out, and the big thing was that it included ESPN. And so this was the first time that you were able to buy ESPN outside of a cable package, and so that was like, I mean, for a lot of people, live sports is the reason they have cable, and so this this is huge potentially
0: and this was really the first time we have ever seen ESPN outside of a cable package and then you know it's it's 20 bucks a month which is you know especially for something that you can turn on and turn off because there's no contract provision You know, right now we're in the midst of March Madness in the U.S. You know, if you want to do it during college football season, I mean, for some people who cable isn't an option for or who don't have a cable subscription and can turn it on just for sports season, that's a pretty compelling deal.
2: Yeah, we turned it on this week, actually, and I'm not going to keep it uh, long term and I'll I'll explain why. But we wanted to watch March Madness. And so we it has most of the March Madness games are on TNT and TBS all on sling. So, yeah, we, I mean, it's one of those one of those type packages. It's no contract. And so you can come and go as you please. Now, like, because I'm in the southern U.S. And so a lot of the games that I want to watch college football wise are going to be on the SEC network. So I would need to pay like an additional five dollars a month for for another package. So it costs me twenty five dollars a month. But again, if you're the type of person that only had cable for sports, it is a heck of a lot cheaper to do this during football season and then just turn it off.
0: Yeah.
1: And doesn't it feel like, and this is one of the reasons why I thought this was a good time to do this show, is that suddenly there are chinks in the armor for the, you know, the cable, you know, behemoth. It's all all of a sudden you can get things like this. You can get ESPN without having a cable TV subscription. And as Apple just announced recently, you can get HBO as well. I mean, it just feels to me like we're kind of at some sort of inflection point here and things are about to get really interesting.
2: Well, the interesting news that was announced today, uh, this is March 23rd is that the NFL has ruled that they are suspending their blackout policy for this year. Mm. And that is, you know, people, some people have speculated if it's something to do with Apple. I saw someone else, you know, that had heard that it has more to do about FCC complaints and things like that. But like, that's interesting. Like, yeah, you're right, David. All this news, like it's kind of since January, we've had all this news around over the top TV. And I, I I don't know what to attribute it to, but I do know that it makes sense For if you're if you offer content and you're seeing the younger generation not subscribe to it, it makes sense to come up with new alternatives. Now, again, if you start adding all these alternatives together, if you get sling, then you get the HBO product and then you get Netflix and you get Hulu. At that point, you might as well get cable. Yeah, but at least there are options to play with here. Um, Some some things about sling that are big negatives for me. Probably the biggest thing is no DVR. Now, certain channels have like a three-day window where you can go back and play all the content, but it's some of those are like, it's not every, even every channel. So like I know like TNT and TBS don't support it. And so to me, that service feels like it was built for a DVR, but lawyers somewhere are holding that up.
0: Oh, see, now, now it's our fault, David.
2: Oh, oh yeah, probably shouldn't have used that generic of term, but yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> Somebody, some sort
2: of legal thing somewhere. Uh, But but again, like the fact that something like sling exists should give us a little hope for the future that we will be in control of more of where our content money is spent.
1: Well, and, and on the subject of sports, I don't think this is in the outline, but, you know, the Major League Baseball has been very progressive. And for years now, for about 100 bucks a season, you could get all of the games on your Apple TV or other device. I'm sure they're, they're selling to other devices as well, although they did have the blackout rules in effect. So if you want to watch your local team, you got to go to your network television.
2: Which is to me very frustrating because I love to watch the Braves, but I, I can get the radio version for like the $15 a month plan, but I cannot get the video. So after hearing this NFL news today, that makes me wonder maybe if the MLB will maybe follow, follow suit. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. But again, um, between all these things, you, you're right. You are starting just to, there are chinks in the armor, some water's flowing through, and it's possible all this may bust open.
0: Yeah. I, I tested out the sling service and I've got a review in Don McAllister's uh, Screencast Online Monthly Magazine this month. And so it'll, it'll post on my website next month, but I, I, the service ultimately wasn't for me. I, I found that it was a little rough around the edges, but I, I really like the possibilities that this opens up, The the you know the, where this can go and, and what this represents, because it's the start of something. And I, I, I'd i love to see where other people go with this and, and even where it matures. So I think it's the start of bigger things.
2: The so. bottom line today is it's for people who want live sports. Yeah. You know, I think ultimately, I don't think anyone's subscribing to it for, now again, they've added AMC, so they are adding some good channels, but I think ultimately all of those are add-ons to ESPN, ESPN2, SEC Network. That's, to me, who it's built for, especially because it does seem to be built around the live experience. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll talk about some more streaming services in a few minutes. But, uh, David, you want to take a quick break and talk to us about our next sponsor?
1: I would like to, Katie Floyd. And particularly, I'd like to talk about our sponsor, Fujitsu. And as I've talked about on the show recently, I have uh, gone out on my own, started my own business, my own Private law firm. And my Fujitsu has been my best friend for the last month because it's sitting next to my desk. And as I get this thing off the ground, I've got pleadings and contracts and even books that I've collected over the years. And I want to get all of them into my system now. And I've got my Fujitsu IX500 sitting next to me, uh, quietly doing the work for me. And th- I think that would be the one I would pick. If you want to get a new scanner, this is the one you want. It's the IX500. It's full duplex. And that means that it scans both the front and the Back of the document as it goes through. It's scanning both sides. You don't have to flip it over and do it again. It just happens. And then it's got this great 50 sheet feeder that you put in. And uh, to be honest with you, I think I've probably gone over 50 sheets with some of the stuff I've been doing lately, but it's just quietly competent you put the stack in there there's one button on the device that's all it is one button you push the blue button and it just starts ripping through your documents and it's got a nice feeder it collects them on the other side so they don't get you know sent all over the room flying and uh, it just does a really good job it's usb 3.0 so it's very fast in fact it does 25 pages per minute Uh, if you've got an ios device you can scan directly to your mobile devices because it's got the ability to do that you can quick uh, bypass the computer entirely and just save it that way and it'll save as pdf or jpeg it's also got this great advanced paper feeding system and what it does is it it pings the papers as it's going around and it's able to detect what they call a uh, multiple feed so if you've got two pages that go through at once it'll immediately stop and say hey dave or hey whoever you are that owned the Fujitsu scans up. You've got two pages going through at once. You can stop the process and you can fix that. You can reset it in the feeder and you can tell it to continue where it left off so you don't even have to start all over. It minimizes jams and it ensures that you always get a full scan of everything you're putting through there. Uh, there's a whole lot more. They've spent a lot of time working on the software it's got great software it does ocr automatically as the documents come in and i hear from listeners all the time saying well what's your ocr engine my ocr engine by and large is the fujitsu scan snap software because everything i put in there and scan and with a modern mac it will ocr very quickly you'll be able to do optical character recognition on everything you scan it works with the pc and the mac it looks great Uh, Like I said, that software can connect to Evernote or whatever other services you want to use, and you're good to go. So head over to Fujitsu and check it out. They've got a website for us. It's called easy.com slash SSMPU. You get that? That's uh, ScanSnap Mac Power User. So easy.com slash SSMPU. They've got some some links there. You can see some of the other products they have. But boy, if you need a workhorse, get yourself an iX500 and you will not regret it. Thanks, Fujitsu, for sponsoring the show.
0: All right, so we talked a little bit about Hulu, and I've I've watched some things on the the simple Hulu service, but I've never been a paid Hulu subscriber. Have you ever subscribed to Hulu? Can you tell me what I'm missing? Because I I was actually very confused when I looked at Hulu last. Of all right, what can I do for free? What can I pay for? And some things I can get for free, and other things that when I pay for, I can't. It it was very confusing. Has it gotten any better? Well, I think. If
2: you're looking at it on the desktop, it is confusing. So let's just assume that their website doesn't exist and you're trying to use it on the TV. So you have a Apple TV or a Roku or an Amazon Fire and you are subscribing into the Hulu Plus. It is okay. It is fairly decent picture quality. The ads are terrible, in my opinion, because they're repetitive. The like same Google,
0: ones over and over again, yeah.
2: And they're non-skippable. And I'm not trying to like get away from, you know, skipping ads because I know that's how content is free. But when they're like, they'll be like three minutes long, it feels like, and they're repetitive. And so we had it before we got the antenna and I just was just happier with the antenna. And again, things would like come and go on, on Hulu more than you realize. And then like there were a few shows that even though I was on Hulu Plus, you could only watch them on this computer, which to me makes zero sense. So, like, Hulu's fine. Like, if you don't want to deal with the in- antenna, you can check and see if your favorite shows are available. But to me, one of the biggest drawbacks of Hulu versus the antenna is you don't get any local news. And I actually still like my local news. I watch it in, in the mornings a lot.
1: Okay, I, so, I think our local so, think news is we we hysterical. Of, yeah, I, was, I didn't say anything. <laughs> so. Um, so, but we didn't really explain. So Hulu really is an alternative to an antenna, correct? Because you do get the local, the main stations with a Hulu subscription.
2: Yeah, that's true. They have a lot of content from the major networks. Again, not everything. And so it's kind of a decent complement to Netflix where like Hulu might have the current season and then Netflix might have the archive of that. They've got some movies and they're fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not like you're getting things that are bestsellers on iTunes or Amazon for free on Hulu. Again, it's it's fine. It's $7.99 a month. I don't think it's like super well uh, available outside of the US, I don't think. But again, it's worth trying because they always give you free trials and they have apps everywhere. They have apps for iOS, Android, pretty much every streaming device. Again, I don't think, I think it's kind of like a Netflix where some folks may have it, but I don't think you have to have that if you're a cord cutter. And if you have an antenna, you especially don't need it.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. You guys are bringing me around a little bit as I'm listening to this because I'm thinking how we spend more time watching Apple TV than we do cable TV. We We may have to start cataloging what we're watching and how we would do that alternatively if we left.
0: That's that's how it starts. And, you know, the, yeah. the big news on Apple TV recently is is obviously HBO Now. You know, Apple announced it at their special event recently that, uh, number one, the Apple TV price dropped for $30. Uh, but the other thing is that Apple TV is going to get a three-month exclusive, which is conveniently for the run of Game of Thrones, which I don't watch, but I know a lot of people are crazy about. Uh, is that they're going to get the exclusive of HBO now, which I think is 15 bucks a month. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, not having ca- a cable TV subscription. I don't really know. Maybe maybe you do, David. How much does HBO cost as an add on to cable TV? Is well, it, it about it that? It okay. depends
1: because we currently listen to it. We currently have i I'm sorry, we currently have HBO. And, and you we- don't
0: watch. Just listen
1: yeah exactly yeah. sorry but so the um we had it for a while, and we didn't have it for a while and and I do like a lot of their original series programming and the, the last time I talked to them about it they gave it to me I think I'm paying like seven fifty a month for like six months, and then I'm sure it'll jump up to something around fifteen dollars at that point, point. and I have it in Omnifocus to probably cancel it about the time it jumps up in price, so we'll see but the um but that see that's one where I can take it or leave it. I could probably binge that. And watch that. And and to tell you the truth, I mean, listening to the show, if I was alone, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have any of this stuff. I, I just don't watch that much TV, but but the rest of the people in my my household do.
2: Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there for and, and that's kind of the rationale that we've gone through is we don't watch as much TV as maybe we did even ten years ago. Because I mean, we're I have my Kindle, I have all these books, I love audiobooks, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm just doing other things. I'm, you know, exercising. I, I don't know. I'm just doing other things. I'm trying not to be as like sedentary, I guess. And it, it someone made the comment to me, I don't know, gosh, 15 years ago, they said, it's amazing how much more time you have when you don't watch TV. And that kind of has always stuck with me. And I try to not, like, I try to not to have three shows every night of the week that I want to watch and try to like, you know, if I add a show, maybe try to remove a show that I like to watch. And, don't watch shows that I don't care about. Great example is Gotham. I was recording that show on off the antenna and I was just kind of meh on it. Like it was, it was okay. I would be kind of bored watching it. And so I just quit watching it. And just simple as that.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Cause that was my experience as Max Barkey became a thing. And my time became increasingly hard to find. And like, I used to be a big football fan. I used to watch NFL football. I was in a fantasy league and, I don't know, about five, six years ago, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. And I took a year off and I didn't miss it at all. And I look back and I think of all those days I spent in front of the TV watching games. And I'm like, you know, it's funny how easily you can drop something like that. And then like with TV shows, I am really hesitant to watch almost anything made in America. Because anything has a 26 um episode season you were talking about adding up your t- your money like you say oh, how much is it going to cost you over a year to me it's like how much time is this going to be if the if it's a show I, I find that i like am i willing to give up 26 hours a half a work week to this over this course of the season that's got to be really good i i find that i watch like the netflix the british shows like you know a lot more because they're usually like 10 episode seasons and then you're done
2: Yeah, we we just got finished watching the fall season two. That was a a British show, and season one is on Netflix. And, you know, I try to limit the shows that I watch that my wife doesn't watch because not that watching TV together is like interacting with each other. We can laugh about the show and talk about it. And so, like I said, I try to focus on the ones that we both like. And then she stays at home. So if there's a show that she likes to watch, she can watch it during the day while she's playing with the kids or something
0: else. So other sources of content that we haven't quite covered yet, um, iTunes is still a big one. You know, there there are two, maybe three shows that I will download and have season passes to on iTunes just because I can't get them anywhere else. You know, in fact, one of them was an HBO show. I, I really liked HBO's The Newsroom. Um, although I understand that that season three was the last season and that's ending, so I just downloaded um, season two and season three of the newsroom because I was able to download a season of that. I think for like twenty bucks a season, and boom, I was done. Instead of having to pay fifteen bucks a month for for HBO.
2: Well, and you quote unquote own them, and they are they do have DRM in them, but you can at least watch them over and over again. And I think that's a great point. Like. If you say hey I'm, I just mainly have I would I would cancel cable if it wasn't for The Walking Dead. You'd be better off just to buy The Walking Dead, you know, per episode from iTunes.
0: Yeah. And now I think you have to be careful about that. And it goes back to what David said about, you know, taking note of what you watch. And that was one of the reasons why this worked for me because when I when I made my list, there were only two shows that I couldn't get free over the air. And I said, all right, well, you know, that's, I think, I think that the shows were 20 bucks each. So that's, that's free plus 40 bucks. Yep. You know, 40 bucks is one month worth of cable that's, that's worth it. I'm going to buy these two season passes. And believe it or not, I actually buy them in regular definition. I don't buy them in HD because I can't tell that much of a difference. Um, maybe, maybe that's because I hadn't gotten my Warby Parkers yet, but um so it's it's not that big of a concern. But if you find yourself buying, you know, five, six, seven, eight shows, season passes to shows, you know, now now you may start getting close to the to the cable TV bill. So um the other thing is I I tend to rent movies on on iTunes. I'll occasionally pick up stuff from from the Redbox, but I rented something from iTunes and and also from Amazon as well this weekend. And at at first I was a, a little miffed, you know, gosh, it was it was 4.99 or, or 3.99 if you got the SD version, but does anybody remember having to go to Blockbuster? On a on a Friday night to go rent a movie and what that process was like. Yeah, I know, isn't it? And and I was trying to think, I actually asked somebody in my office, I said, How much did it cost to rent a video at Blockbuster Video? And they were like, What? But but I think it was like four or five bucks. And then you got dinged if you didn't rewind it. It was like another fifty cents or
2: then the late fees. I just remember like trying to make up new identities somehow, like go by your middle name or new phone number, so you wouldn't have to pay the late fees on the other account.
1: Right. And now the truth
2: comes out. Bradley. Well, Chambers. you know, what's funny about movies for us. And I'm so thankful. My wife is this way. We just don't like movies. And, and I, I don't know if it's because i and I used to love them. And I don't know if it's because like they're terrible now, or maybe, I don't know, maybe my tastes have changed, but I would much rather watch a hour and a half episode of Sherlock versus a hour and a half movie that I don't know that I don't even like. Cause I feel like a lot of movies are just predictable. Where with TV shows, it's like you don't know what's happening because it's not going to end after the hour and a half or the hour. And I don't. Maybe that's just me, but I I find myself I am much a much I'm much faster to watch um, TV shows and binge binge them than I am to watch a two
1: hour movie or a few two hour movies. Okay, let the record reflect that Sherlock has been called out, and um, it's been what three years. I've been trying to get Katie Floyd to watch Sherlock.
0: Well, and it only has like three episodes a season, but they're hour so, and a
2: half long. It's 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 a such it's such a fantastic show. It, so, it, re- it really is. So, Katie,
1: you know the question.
0: I got stuck on episode two. The, the middle ones are not as good.
1: OK, episode two of what season?
0: Uh, like season two, I think.
1: OK,
2: well, here's the I'm funny not, thing. I'm not the main, judge you. The main character was in the imitation game, yeah. Sherlock and then Doctor Who as well.
0: Oh, I know who'd been at Cumberbot Cumberbodcast, yeah.
1: It's a I good like show. Him. Cumberbot, is that what you call C- him?
0: Cumberbot? <laughs> He's Kong, right? I know who I know who Khan is. Yeah. It's,
1: a, it's a good but,
2: show. It's, it's a yeah, great show. I, uh, I love it. I, and I lo- I, again I am I like shows like that because I don't know where how it's going to end. Where with most movies, like you can pretty much watch the previews and you'll know, like, I can I can guess the ending.
0: Um and then the last place that I sometimes pick up content is is apps, because you know a lot of a lot of various networks. Um, have apps like there's a CNN app, there's an HGTV app, there's, uh, can you tell what I watch? Uh, There's an NBC app, a CBS app, but a lot of those also require cable TV subscriptions to to get anything beyond their basic content, which kind of defeats the purpose.
1: Yeah. And I think that may be another lawyer thing. There may be some licensing or some type of limitation on their ability to give that away when they're, they're licensing the content out to these local cable companies. But it just feels to me like that stuff is so like in the past and the cable companies and the, television content producers have to realize that it seems like a very common thing now with kids is that they're watching YouTube of Minecraft or they're watching YouTubers, as my kids call them. I guess that's the real thing. People, you know, just kids or people who make up their own kind of thing they do on YouTube. That's getting a lot more eyeballs from kids these days than their shows, than the the traditional network shows. So I think these guys are realizing they're going to have to do something to make it easier to get that content outside the traditional model.
2: Yeah. I don't get the esports thing where like watching people play games. I don't get that, but I also recognize that it's a thing, and that's something that kids it's a big are like. Thing. And and so like it's one of those things where you realize like you're kind of you're just kind of out of like what the hip people like. And but I, at least I can admit that it, it is a thing that's popular, and it's you know, and I, I wonder like. When people first started to go watch other people play sports, I wonder if it was the same thing. Cause I watch, I see kids like watching Minecraft videos and I think, why don't you just play Minecraft? Like you could play that yourself. And then I wonder if like people, when they first went to baseball games, they said, well, look, you can just go play baseball yourself. But there's something about watching that's also fun. So yeah, that you're right. The kids are just doing different things and they view YouTube very differently than we do.
1: Yeah. And so that's happening. And, and meanwhile, you've got this old model that's that's got all these moving parts that is quite difficult. And us consumers really don't feel like we've been taken very good care of anyway. So there's not a whole lot of loyalty there. And now all of a sudden things are happening. So let's talk about that part of it. Um, maybe we, well, maybe we should do an ad read first, but the there's a whole bunch of new devices. There's all these little boxes I can connect to my TV now. And yeah. I'm not sure which one to pick. And you know, I'm of course as Mac power users, I've got my Apple TV, but I know I'm. I know there's other things out there. I'd like to hear from you guys on that.
0: Well, we will tell you all about that. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about SaneBox, and SaneBox is probably the best tool that I have implemented in my workflow hands down in the past year. And you know what? A lot of MacPower users, listeners think so because SaneBox tells us that over 60% of MacPower users, listeners who have tried SaneBox have ended up subscribing. So you may want to try it because chances are you're going to love it too. So SaneBox is simply great email filtering and it happens all automatically. You sign up for a SaneBox account and if you go to sanebox.com MPU, you can sign up for free and get a two week free trial. And the first thing that SaneBox is going to do is they're just going to plug into your email service, and they're going to give you one more little box, and it's called the Sane Later folder. And what that Sane Later folder is going to do is it's going to keep your inbox clean and filled only with what actually matters, and everything else is going to go to the Sane Later folder. Meaning you can focus your attention on your inbox, and when you have time, check the Sane Later folder. And then once you get that down, you can start adding some additional uh, in- uh, folders to SaneBox. Like you can add the Sane Black Hole, so when people start sending you spam or junk mail, drag them into the same black hole, and you'll never hear from them ever again. You can also add snooze folders, which are great for deferring things maybe to the next business day or maybe over a weekend. For example, I've got a snooze folder set up to defer things in my work account either to the next business day or until Monday. So if I got an email in my work account right now that came in and it wasn't an emergency that I had to deal with, I defer it until the tomorrow folder pops back in my email inbox tomorrow morning and I can deal with it during work hours. Um, And there's also sane reminders, which means if I send David an email and I want to make sure that he follows up with me and doesn't ignore me, I can also CC or BCC, let's say two days at SaneBox.com or if I want to be generous and give him a little more time, one week at SaneBox.com. And if David hasn't gotten back to me, I'll get a reminder to follow up. And I can pick any time frame that I want. So same. And, and I'm
1: pretty sure that Katie Floyd actually does that
0: all the time all the time. <laughs> so uh, SaneBox can do more than that. It can take care of filtering your attachments. It can move them to Dropbox and other cloud service. It is absolutely amazing. You can create your own custom filters. I can't even begin to describe to you uh, how much time SaneBox has saved me and how uh, much it has upped my game in playing with email. The only way that you can fully appreciate this is to try it yourself. And you can do that by going to SaneBox.com slash MPU to start your 14-day free trial. And when you decide to sign up and you will decide to sign up by using that URL, you'll save ten dollars off of any Sanebox plan. And for some of the plans, that'll give you as much as two months free for Sanebox. So, thank you again to Sanebox for their support of Mac Power users.
1: Okay, so I think we should start with these plug in boxes. I think we have to start with the Apple TV because this is the Mac Power users. And, you know, because I'm I'm an Apple guy, I have to say, I think Apple really led the charge with this a few years ago when they came out with the hockey puck Apple TV. Um, but but where does it stand now in relation to the rest of the industry?
0: Honestly, as an Apple TV owner and as someone who, you know, relies on the Apple TV and, and probably uses it as one of my main boxes, I won't say my main box, I've got to say the Apple TV is in great need of an update uh, I, I think it, it was a, it is a great box it was an even better box before but at this point um, it's been leapfrogged it's been leapfrogged by some of the Rokus it's been leapfrogged by the fire TV um, it's it's still the only gateway into the Apple ecosystem and still has a lot of great features but it is it is definitely in need for an, of an update.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. It's very underpowered, and you don't realize how underpowered it is until you use the Roku or the Amazon Fire, and you see how fast content launches.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in that ignorance is bliss phase because we spend a ton of time watching. I don't even have the most current Apple TV; I have the very first hockey puck one, which is a 720p.
0: Oh, you should uh, you should sell that. Those yeah, are that's worth, worth
1: money.
2: A, that's worth a lot of money. Uh, you really? can jailbreak. You can jailbreak the because they're much easier to jailbreak. So you can jailbreak them and then sell that for at least 175 on eBay.
1: Oh, really? Hmm. It's, okay.
0: And you can buy a, a lot more of the cheaper Apple TVs and then save the money for when the, the refresh or, comes.
1: Or maybe buy a Roku, depending on what you guys are about to tell me. But there the, you go. Uh, But, you know, the, the thing about the Apple TV is we do have a lot of iTunes content. And, and something when you mentioned iTunes earlier, and I know um, we get feedback on this quite often. People say, well, do you buy the stuff from iTunes or not? Because it's got DRM in it. Um, I buy it because it it's so convenient. You know, there's a bunch of people in my house. We all have iPads or iPhones or Apple computers or something around. And it just seems really convenient when you buy. If there's content you're going to buy, it's nice that you can watch it anywhere and you don't have to fiddle with it. And because the the age of my kids, my kids are old enough now that we don't buy that much stuff anymore. We rent movies because, you know, when they're little, they'll watch a movie over and over again. I mean, we watched uh, Whiplash the other night. It was a great movie, but I don't think I'd be watching it again. There's not a reason for me to pay for the purchase price.
2: and, And again, who knows what kind of devices you'll be using in 10 years. So let's say you have no Apple devices in 10 years. It, and you had to rebuy a couple movies. It was no different than when you went from VHS to DVD or DVD to Blu-ray or from Blu-ray to digital. I mean, we've we've been rebuying media for our entire
1: lives. And there's really not that many I would be rebuying. Um, so anyway, uh, so I got off in a little tangent. But the nice thing about the Apple TV is that it does give us access to all that stuff, and and, and it's and, the
0: only way to give you access to all of that stuff. If you're going to play in the Apple ecosystem, you have to have an Apple TV. And honestly, David, that's, that's why it's my primary box of of choices because I've made the decision that I'm going to play in the Apple ecosystem too.
1: The other thing that's weird is, is the interface on the Apple TV seems like very dated to me. You know, iOS 7 has been around. iOS 8 is around. This really feels like, you know, iOS 4 to me. And and just the way the icons, and it's so tedious to try and get rid of ones you don't want. By the way, there's a trick there. You have to mark it. Was it parental? Um,
0: well, they've, they've fixed that now. You can, oh, you, can pre- you can press and hold is at the play button, and then you get the option to hide the icons.
1: Okay, well, either and, way, it's, it's still goofy. And,
0: and then um,
2: the new Apple TVs have an iOS 8 style interface. It's The newer ones, have been redone to match the new icon styles. Yours was never got an update for that, though. Okay, so there you go. But
0: it's still the same from a functionality standpoint. It's still the same layout. It's still the same grid. It's still, you know, 30 icons on a page that you have to scroll through with dozens and dozens of services that you'll never use.
1: Yeah, and that's bad, but the when you get into the individual apps and I don't know if Apple has any say or any play with how this happens, but for instance, the HBO series, we we have HBO on our cable system. I much prefer watching HBO on the HBO is it go app it's now it's hbo go and it'll be hbo now and i guess when the new thing rolls out but i mean the interface is so nice and it's easy to scroll through and it it looks like someone at apple like was involved with saying how are we going to lay this out in a way that makes sense for users to find what they want to see and that is a really nice experience now i have not looked at the other services so i don't know maybe roku's just as nice for stuff like that but uh, the apple tv is nice and and I think we'll we'll save to later in the discussion about the future of the Apple TV. But um, I use it all the time. And then, uh, Bradley, you had a comment in the notes about AirPlay.
2: Yeah, I, I obviously, uh, since I work in schools, that you know, school that work, has a lot of Apple products, the functionality of AirPlay has really taken a nosedive in recent years, in my opinion. Um, I'll give you a great example. My mother-in-law has very, very fast Internet. She has 100 meg up and down. She has the newest Apple TV. She has the pre-11ac Airport Extreme. And then I had a video on my phone and tried to AirPlay it. Just didn't work. I had to, like, keep stopping and restarting it. it just, it's not as functional as it used to be. Now, from what I've heard, the latest iOS or oh, Apple TV update has dramatically fixed that. But it's not as just works as it used to, in my opinion.
0: I found that it's pretty good for me, and I think a lot of that may have to do with your network. A lot of that may have to do, honestly, with your iOS device as well.
2: My biggest yeah. complaint, I would say, with the Apple TV is the remote. I mean, I, would, I I, would, joke that they've probably sold two remotes for every one Apple TV they've sold, because it's to me, it is taking minimalism too far.
0: Let me tell you, I have cleaned more crevices in my house looking for an Apple TV remote than I ever have for anything else. You know, that t- that remote falls under the bed, it goes behind the nightstand, it's under the couch. I my, my house is a cleaner place because of the Apple TV remote.
1: Well, see, there you go. So, bonus, bonus.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, the, the thing about AirPlay, though, is it's possible with Apple TV. Is, is there something like AirPlay with a Roku when you're holding your Apple phone?
2: There is not, like, from you know, the entire device, but like the Netflix app, there is a cast. And then Roku has a technology that like the Surface tablets is built in to be able to cast the entire device. So it really just depends on what your what devices you have in the home. If you have I think I think it works with Android as well. If you have an Android or a Surface, you can cast your entire screen to the Roku. But yeah, but I found that because the Roku has all the apps that I need, I have no use to AirPlay. Outside of music, that would be the only thing.
1: But well, outside yeah. of that, do that's... you buy content from iTunes? No. Okay. okay. Well, that and that makes a big difference. Well, we've been we've been dancing around. Let's let's actually let's go back. Um, what about the TiVo? How does that fit in with a with a cord cutter?
2: I love TiVo because um, it allow. Well, I guess I'll say I love the idea of a DVR because it allows me to download. The over-the-air content and save it locally so I can watch it to where you know wherever I want to. I've got the the first what do they call it, the Romeo. I've got the original Romeo that's like the low-end one. It's the only one that's supported over the air, and it works fine. It really it really works fine. My only issue with the TiVo is it's a little high on the monthly fee. But in my opinion, TiVo's got a great interface and it, and it works very very well. Um, I we also have a TiVo Mini. And what that does is it hooks up to, you can do it over your wired Ethernet, or if you kind of rejigger your coax connection, you can wire your TV up in another room, and it can pull off of your antenna. So you can watch live TV, and you can watch your downloaded content without actually having to have a second antenna. The problem with that is there is an additional fee for that, so... Like for my main TiVo, I'm paying $14.99 a month. And then the TiVo Mini is like another $5.99. But what I, my contract just ended on both of those. And so I called and they cut the bill by like $5 a month. So I'm paying $15 a month for the entire package now. But it, it works well. It, they do have an option to add a streaming box to where you can pull that content over to iOS. And it doesn't have a monthly fee, but my main complaint with it is if you transfer it to your iPad, it then removes it from the DVR.
0: I, I too uh, am a TiVo user and I would say of everything, that's my primary box. But I only use the TiVo for recorded content over the air. I do not use it for any of these other services. So I would say the TiVo is really only my primary box just because the antenna is really my primary source. And I seldom watch live TV. Everything I watch is pre-recorded uh, and saved on the TiVo. And I have older model TiVos. I have the TiVo HD which some people call the Series 3 TiVo. And mine are probably from 2008 uh, and then 2009, 2010. I I have two boxes. Uh, I've actually had to replace the hard drive in one, and I'm expecting to have to replace the hard drive in another at any time. Um, I initially had those, like you did, Bradley, on the, the monthly fee, but I, I got those so long ago that the, the monthly fee was a little less expensive. Um, I think I was paying $12 for the first one and 7 for the second one. And I I switched during a promotion they were having. Because I had paid for them for so long and they were older boxes, I was able to switch them over to lifetime service for a one-time fee of $99 each. So I definitely did that. Um, I think I think the TiVo makes sense. Um, if you're willing to buy the lifetime service option which i think is 349 399 uh if you're a current user and then $100 more if you're a new user and that's a big price to pay up front especially when you're when you're paying for the box but if you do the math it it really works out as opposed to to paying that monthly service and it's it's a big bite up front but i think it's the only way that that the tivo makes sense and it, to me i couldn't I just It wouldn't make any sense for me to use it, the the to watch the antenna uh, without time shifting it because I would never watch any of the content because I'm not home. Now, one of the things that I've started doing is because I'm watching even less TV than I was before is I don't have enough time to watch the content that I've recorded. Um, so I'm using an application called CTIVO and I am um, pulling the content now off of my TiVo uh, encoding it into like an Apple TV friendly format and storing it on my Drobo. So there are entire seasons of, of certain shows that I've got saved up on my Drobo and, and I'll typically watch those like like over the summer. There, there are a couple of TV series that, that I enjoy that, that broadcast during the regular season, but I'll save them and watch them specifically over the summer. But I just, I don't have the hard drive capacity on my TiVo to keep them. So I'll I'll save them, put them on my Drobo and then watch them through the Apple TV.
1: And then you're getting them to the Apple TV through with
0: that? They're, they're, uh, what CTVO will do there, I mean, at the, at the point that you have them on the, at the point that you pull them through CTVO, they're just MP4 files. So you can, you can watch them in anything. But um, what I've done with CTVO is I've just, I've saved them into iTunes. It will, it will add the metadata and make them pretty. And they're just saved as TV shows and iTunes.
1: And that makes it even easier to. Right. To see the data without having to do anything funny,
0: but you could also you could have it saved into Plex or or do whatever you wanted if you didn't want to go through an Apple TV solution.
1: Are you still using Plex, Katie Floyd?
0: Um, I still have it, but I'm watching most of my stuff through iTunes and the okay. Apple TV.
2: We we All use right. Plex, but it's mainly like DVDs and, and whatnot that we've ripped. But uh, yeah, I, I I still love Plex.
1: Okay, so but there's a there's a competitor now to TiVo, this Tableau TV. Have you guys checked that out?
0: Now Bradley I, has, and I'm very interested in this because if I didn't already have this money invested in this TiVo, I'm I might look at the Tableau TV. So I
2: got a review your review unit of Tableau, and and there's another popular one as well called Simple TV, which I have not used, but I think both of them are probably they're the of the same style. And so with the TiVo, for example, your antenna runs into it, and it's got HDMI. It feeds your TV. Okay, so that's how that works. With Tableau, it's a box that hooks to your network. The antenna hooks into it, and then you have apps to get the you know, to watch the content that it records. And I really, really, really like Tableau on iOS. So we, you know, like I said, I had a re- re- review unit um, worked very well. Picked up the same stations the TiVo did. And it's drastically cheaper per month than TiVo. So it's $5 a month for your whole house. And I think they have a lifetime option for $150, and that covers your account.
0: Yeah, that's now, a lot I'm, cheaper than the three, uh, what was it, 400 or 500 that TiVo charges.
2: Yeah, and that's for your account. So like if you get a new Tableau in two years, it's still covered. Now, so they have apps for iOS, they have Roku, Android, you know, the, all the above, they don't have an app for Apple TV, obviously, because they
0: can't. Yeah, Apple doesn't let them.
2: And like, it was rock solid on iOS, and I used it for three or four months. I, it was rock solid on iOS. Where I ran into issues over time was with the Roku, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it was my home network because I have wired Ethernet Cat Six running throughout my house. Everything is gigabit, so if my network can't do it, I don't think anybody can. And we would just have issues where. Stuff on the Roku just like would error out. We have to restart the app, and it just seemed like it got a little worse over time. And I so I, that's when I actually went back to my TiVo because I had planned on getting rid of my TiVos, and I and it just wasn't as I guess simple as the TiVo in some ways. But I like the promise of it, where it to me makes more sense to have something that's just hooked to my network, and then all these apps can pull from it. So they do have a new Roku app that's coming out very soon. They announced it at CES, and it's, it, it looks and feels, from my what I can see, like their iPad app and less like a native Roku app. So that makes me think it'll hopefully be a little bit more stable and work better. And so I will probably switch back to it and give it another go when the new Roku app drops. They do have a new model Tableau that's got an antenna built in but I think I probably wouldn't recommend that because it's going to be a smaller antenna than like an external one that you can do. So again, it, it, I, I like that model better because then it kind of fits into my Roku ecosystem, which I love. And their model feels like the future, like I said, but my main concern with them long-term is can they, can they last? Because
0: yeah, it's is sustainable.
2: If you look at TiVo, they can't make any money. They're basically living off patent settlements. Right. And so, if they can't make any money, how can Tableau long term? So that, that's just my two cents. I, again, I like the model of it. I think it's the future. I think Tivo would probably do well to do something like that and have their rock solid interface on, you know, on a uh, just a, a network based device. But we'll see. But yeah, a lot cheaper. I think the boxes may start at one ninety nine, but again, the monthly
1: is drastically cheaper. Yeah. So lifetime is a relative term here.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> it's the it. lifetime of the box, not your lifetime or the yeah. lifetime of the company. The, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the one tip before we move on, and I want to hear all about the Roku. My one tip is that if you're going to pick up a TiVo DVR, they've got a, a new entry model, what they call OTA, TiVo Romeo OTA. I would not buy that one uh, for two reasons. One is it does not have the option, at least as of the last time I checked, to allow you to buy lifetime service. And And two is it is a lot less feature rich than um, just even the basic entry model Romeo. I would pay a little bit more upfront, get the entry model Romeo. you then always have the option later to to go with a different service to to get cable if you decide to um, you know just don't get sucked up in the low entry price of the OTA model because you're going to be paying it back in service fees so but but roku bradley i uh I tried Roku. And I hated it. So tell me, please, why is Roku your favorite box?
2: So I'll tell you how I ended up on the Roku. A couple years ago, I had I had a, I was an all-Apple TV house and had some buddies that got some Rokus. They, they were going to use Plex. And so they got these Rokus, and they were raving about them. And so my mother-in-law was like, it was like that Christmas, she was like, asking my wife, like, what can I get Bradley for Christmas? And she said, get him a Roku. He's been talking about wanting to try it. So she got me a Roku 3, and I used it. And I, the light went off on my head. Now, funny story about Roku is, do you guys know who built the Roku originally?
0: No. Well, Netflix. Netflix, yeah.
2: Yeah, they spun it off because they thought if they put out a Netflix-branded box that they would not be able to put Netflix on everything else. And so now, obviously it worked out because Netflix is on pretty much everything except my fridge, and the Roku has done very, very well. And a couple of things I like about the Roku. Number one, the remote. It's an RF-based remote, so it doesn't have to have line of sight. It has more buttons than the Apple TV, but not as many as my cable box or my old cable box or my TV remote. It's so it's like, it's really works out well. And I love that you can hide it. You can hide that box and it still works fine.
0: Yeah, here's a pro tip, double-sided tape. Stick it on the back of your TV.
2: Ah, oh, good, good. That's a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Industrial strength, double-sided tape, not just like the you know, clear plastic stuff.
2: Well that's a, a, a and you could get a industrial strength velcro as well. Mhm. Well, the second thing I love about it is it has a well supported app platform. Now outside of iTunes, name me a service that doesn't work on the Roku. Yeah,
0: yeah but uh, iTunes I, is a big
2: one. But it, is it for most people? I mean, how many people are going to they're going to buy things a la carte versus just paying for subscription services. No, no
0: that's true. I, I bought one of these as a gift for a friend of mine, and I, I kind of talked to her before, and I said, so, so what, you know, do you, do you use iTunes? And she didn't, and, and I, bought her, I bought her a Roku instead of an Apple TV.
2: So, you know, Sling comes out. It works on Roku. Amazon works on Roku. Um, all, all these things work on Roku that are missing from the Apple TV. So it's because the Roku is built to be a great device, and it's not built to sell content. Apple TV is ultimately ultimately built around selling you more content. Amazon Fire built around selling you more content. The Roku is the one device that is built around being a great box. They will send me, you know, they have their own little store that they call the MGo Store. I think they may own that. I'm not sure. They send me emails every week telling me about new things on Netflix or new things on Amazon to try. It's built to be a great box, and so I, to me, again, it's not. The overall interface is not as pretty as some of the other ones, but it works very well. And I finally, after a few years, my wife finally admitted last week, the Roku is better than the Apple TV. She was using an Apple TV at my mother-in-law's house. It's hard to navigate Netflix. It's drastically better on the Roku.
0: Now, I'll tell you, that's what got me was the interface to the Roku. Now, are all the Roku interfaces the same? Because the Roku I tried was, I think, the Roku LT. It was the little purple one.
2: Yeah, that's the older one. And again, they're they're functionally or they look all the same, but some of the older ones don't get new app updates. So like I know the Roku 2 does not have the most recent version of the Netflix app. So you kind of always want to be on the most recent one. And again, their are models built around selling you devices. So they probably may cut off support for older ones, maybe earlier than they have to. And of course, the rumor is that the Roku 4 is very imminent. And some of the rumors I've heard are 4K support and 802.11ac support. I don't know what else it'll add, but that's just, keep that in mind if you're listening to the show and you think, I'm going to buy a Roku. Um, It's been on sale quite a bit, the Roku 3, and so that's probably another indicator. But again, it's built around being a great device and not selling content to you.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're really not that expensive. I mean, what's a Roku 3 cost right now? On
2: sale 80, 65 to 85 they they have the streaming stick that's similar to the fire streaming stick. I think those are 50. I wouldn't get those for like my main TV but if you have like we have a TV on our back porch that's screened in it's fine for that. The main reason I don't recommend the sticks and I really don't even recommend the fire TV stick uh, as well is those devices do not get as good as Wi-Fi signal as the actual boxes. number one because of where they're at. number two is because they, their cards are not as powerful because how small it has to be.
1: Well yeah, but and so we'll assume the Roku 4 is going to be in the same price ballpark as the Roku 3. So it it really isn't terrible to get one of each, you know. I haven't done it yet because I keep waiting for the next one, you know. But the um but I may be getting a Roku 4 when it comes out. But, you know, we've also got some interesting stuff coming forward with the new Apple. But but let's talk about the Fire TV. We mentioned that one.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, I picked up a Fire TV. I, I picked up the Fire TV stick, which I know is not the same as the Fire TV, but uh, user interface wise is is the same. And I was very happy with the Fire TV. If I was not so tied into the Apple ecosystem, the Fire TV would be the box that I would buy. And so it's probably the newest entry into this whole fray. It's gaining lots of popularity. In fact, I noticed Amazon has dropped their prices a little bit since Apple dropped the price of the Apple TV. So Amazon's getting a little competitive, um, but just as the Apple TV was built for iTunes content, the fire TV is is very geared for Amazon content. But that's why I bought it. you know I like I mentioned, I am an Amazon Prime subscriber. I really like the prime streaming service, and I really did not start to take full advantage of that uh, Amazon Prime streaming service until I had a smart TV in my living room that had Amazon Prime built in. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if I had this smart TV functionality on a second TV that I have in my bedroom? And I thought, well, for 25 bucks, I can get one of these Fire TV sticks and I can basically make my regular TV in my bedroom a smart TV, at least as to Amazon and as to other content. And so I, I plug that Fire TV stick into a spare HDMI port in the TV in my bedroom and that's all I use it for really is is for Amazon content. Now of course you can do Netflix and and other things and that was my primary source for using the Sling TV service when I was trying that out for a month or two. But uh, I was very impressed with the Fire TV. I thought the user interface was uh, it's it's certainly different than iTunes, but I certainly strongly preferred the user interface on the Fire TV uh, as than I did to the Roku. Um, and with the Fire TV, as opposed to the, the stick, they're doing some very innovative things with the remote in terms of it's a Bluetooth remote and they've got voice search. Um, it's, it's a very powerful box. They've got some gaming capabilities on it. Uh, they, they seem to really be stepping up their game in terms of a hardware tool. You
2: know, the very fact that we're having these conversations around the boxes shows why I think Apple made a mistake by basically sitting on the Apple TV for years. Because, you know, we're not talking about other tablets in in, in depth. We're not talking about other phones in depth. We're all pretty happy with those devices. And outside of a little fresh coat of paint, the Apple TV is largely the same today as it was like three years ago. And it's just not this. The fact that it doesn't have Amazon is a problem. The fact that it doesn't have Sling built in is a problem because people are not just buying their content from iTunes. And what, what, what Apple does not need is for like, folks to start like trying these other devices like well they they f- try fire
1: tv well we
2: we like them maybe i'll try a kindle fire tablet next time
1: well i think that you know the future is going to be interesting because apple for a long time i mean that's where you went to buy music that's where you went to buy movies and tv content that was just they had they kind of had the electronic part of that locked down And that's no longer the case on any regard. And people are, like Bradley talking about, getting into streaming where they're not. It's not that they have a competitor selling the same product. It's that there's a new product and it's called streaming and people are no longer buying this stuff. So they need to evolve. Um, And let's talk about that. But before we do, let's talk about our last sponsor. And that's lynda.com. lynda.com. Uh, helps you learn and keep up to date with your software and pick up brand new skills or explore new hobbies with really easy to follow video tutorials. So whether you want to get Good at doing something with online tools like Photoshop or get better at business. They've got a video there for you. There's over 2,400 courses taught by industry experts, and there's more added every week. Lynda.com works directly with the software company. So you get the most current version releases. When they hit the market, you're going to get a video on them. But it's not just about software development. We talk about that a lot. Um, I was looking at Lynda.com just in terms of business uh, skills. And you know what? They've got a whole series of courses there for business. I was looking at whether the most recent courses in business, they've got things in there like how to deal with human resources. They've got one in there for finance essentials for small business, if you're setting up a small business. And I know we have a lot of listeners to our show that are small business people. They've got one about bootstrapping your business or... They've got one about how to use everyday math fundamentals or sales fundamentals or the science of sales. I mean, it's not just about learning to use Photoshop. You can do so much with these Linda videos, and they're all taught by just top industry experts. Another thing I like that they do is they're all broken down into small bite-sized pieces. So it's really easy for you to go back and watch a piece over and over again if you have questions about it, or you could just skip it entirely if it's something you already know. And you get all of that for one low monthly price of $25 and it gives you unlimited access to the entire 2400 video library um so i would recommend going and checking it out you can get a free seven day trial uh thanks to uh, mac power users and if you go in there you can sign up for it the url is lynda.com and katie what is the url where is it again um slash Mac power Users, yep. So we got, the, we got the whole thing. We bought all the letters. Uh, lynda.com slash MacPowerUsers. And you get a free trial for seven days. Go in and check it out. And you know what? There's no limitation on the seven days. You can go watch all those videos I just talked about. You can watch all 2400 if you can compress time and get yourself a time turner. But check it out. You're going to go in. You're going to like it. You're going to appreciate the, the production quality of these videos. And you're going to learn something. It's uh, speaking about, you know, de- uh, uh, streaming content and things. I am absolutely willing to spend 25 bucks a month for Linda, a lot more than I am some of these other services we've been talking about on the show today. So go check it out and let them know you heard from us and use that link, lynda.com slash Mac power users. It gets you those seven days and it makes us look fantastic to Linda. And we always appreciate that. Check it out.
2: Hey, hey David, one comment about Linda that we, um, it's actually very relevant at my school. There's an entire course on grant writing. And so I someone sent that to me and I immediately sent it over to our director of development and she loved it. It was super helpful for her. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it's not just for software development. Like grant writing is so huge. And if you got one grant off that course, that would pay for it 100 times over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they get really good trainers. So so check it out. Um, what, what does the future hold, guys? I mean, there's a lot of rumors circulating around as we record the show about Apple finally, you know, doing something interesting. I mean, they dropped the price of the Apple TV, which a lot of people interpret to mean uh, they're getting rid of Apple TVs as they get ready to roll something else out. Um, what's going to happen?
0: Well, you know there there are these rumors that are circulating around about uh, there've been rumors forever about the new Apple TV, uh, Apple really opening up the Apple TV as a platform, and, and we've heard about that speculation for a while. And, and candidly, I, I hope that they would open it up as an app development platform, but now we're hearing rumors of a thirty to forty five uh, thirty to forty dollar a month. Um, better than cable subscription type service, and it it sounds kind of like a better version of the Sling TV box, where you get a set number of of cable type channels uh, through Apple without the cable TV service. and And obviously the the details on that are sparse, but uh, it's really the first time we've heard this type of rumor coming out. and It's hard to say whether we're just hearing the same rumor repeated over and over again, or whether there really are multiple sources for the same rumor. I don't know, though. I, I don't know if this is something I'm particularly excited in because, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of being able to get more content through my Apple TV. But gosh, if I'm going to pay $30 to $40 a month, is, is that really any better than just, you know, getting what I've got with my cable TV subscriber?
2: Well, I think that goes back to my comment earlier and that you're not going to pay $10 a month for Hollywood level content. So I, don't, I think what Apple's aim here is in largely what it was with the cell phone market, they're not trying to cut your bill down to nothing. They're trying to give you a drastically
1: better experience. Yeah, and I think that is that is an interesting piece of this. I mean, because it is terrible. I use the cable system. I use the cable DVR, and it, it is terrible. I don't know how else to describe it. To, to get around, to find a show, it just makes you want to pull your hair out. So what could Apple do? I mean, here's a company that has a little bit of knowledge about user experience, Maybe they could make something worth it, especially if it's around the same price or less.
0: Yeah, I've got to tell you though, I've my setup. I've got a pretty good experience right now. You know, I, I watch everything time delayed through my TiVo. I really don't watch any commercials because I can fast forward them on my TiVo. I can watch what I want when I want. Uh, Apple's gonna have to really compete with, with the service that I already have. You know, is it gonna have DVR-style functionality? Am I gonna be able to queue up shows to watch when I wanna watch them? You know, am I gonna be able to save an entire season's worth of shows that have already aired and, and watch them over the summer if perhaps I don't wanna get to a particular, you know, uh, series, you know, this fall and, and I wanna watch it as a, as a summer series for me? You know, I, I don't know. And I'm sure Apple will figure all of these things out, but, in order for me to pay thirty to forty bucks a month, which is significantly more than I'm paying now for all of my services, uh, they're real. It's really going to have to be a compelling service because, you know, not only am I not paying for any of this with with cable, but I'm happy with the experience that I have not paying for cable.
2: I think Apple's strategy is not to necessarily save you. You know, the people like us, I don't, I don't know in, in a, that they're all necessarily going after us. They're going after the people that are tired of paying for cable but just want a turnkey solution. So they don't want to deal with an antenna. They don't want to deal with multiple services. They just want to pay something and get it over a box and they want it to work. And so I think that's their aim. And it's just like, you know, look at your cell phone bill pre iPhone and look at it post iPhone. It's We're definitely paying, more
0: expensive. Yeah.
2: And I, so I don't think Apple. I don't think they're going to their aim is to cut our bill. Their aim is to make it where we're happy to pay a little bit more
1: because it's drastically better. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably, probably right. their angle. <laughs> I mean, and to answer Katie's question earlier, really, why didn't they focus on the Apple TV over the last few years? Because they were making metric boatloads of money on the iOS devices and the Apple TV was not the, the, the big moneymaker for them.
0: Well, and I think also they didn't have the content deals in place. Arguably, they still don't have all of the content deals they want in place. You know, when this launches, they won't have all the content deals they want in place. Some of these will come after the fact. And I I think this is if they're really trying to put together a, a bang up service, they couldn't do that without the deals. And so they couldn't they couldn't launch without at least a certain number of the of the content makers on board.
2: Well, the rumor is that the major broadcast company that's not going to be available is NBC. And so you wonder if them being the only one not on there will kind of put pressure on NBC to be on there. Because
0: Yeah, I think at some point they'll have to come around if it's successful.
2: Well, it's just it's kind of ironic because that The Office was one of the first shows that made their content available on iTunes.
0: Well, remember when there were certain movie houses that didn't come on board when, with the, or when there were certain music labels that weren't on board? I mean, we've, we've seen this before. We'll see it again. There, there were holdouts, and they eventually came around when they saw they were making money.
2: Yeah, I, I think customers will always pay slightly more for a better experience. I'm paying slightly more for my Internet than I would for Comcast, but it's better. We pay slightly more for computers because they're better. And so that's got to be Apple's angle here because the content's going to be expensive. It's always going to be expensive. Hollywood is expensive. But if they can make it where we're happy to use it, then that's always been, you know, that's always been what they're trying to do because there are cheaper tablets. There are cheaper phones. There are cheaper computers. But we like the experience. And so the experience for them is the key. Again, it has to be a reasonable price. Like it can't be $200 a month. But I don't think I, I don't think it necessarily has to be $10 a month.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, gang, we're, we've probably about gone over our time here, so we probably should should wrap this up. Uh, Bradley, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and adding your perspective, which I, I know is different from mine. David, have we convinced you?
1: I'm going to keep track. And like I, I'm just in the process of canceling my landline telephone. And so I'm, I know I'm going to be having that phone conversation with them, and I'm going to ask them, what would it cost me just to keep my cable without my TV. So I'm going to have fixed cost estimates here very soon. And uh, I bet I'll probably get a discount on my cable TV just by asking that question.
0: Yeah. Just, just asking. And that's the other thing that we didn't talk about is you can renegotiate with these people and you probably should.
1: Yeah. But the, either way I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what the costs are and then we're going to look seriously. Like I know we don't watch much sports in our house, so that's probably not such a big deal, which is, I know the big the big gating issue for a lot of households. But for us, it's like, I know they like the cooking channel and there's, there's a lot of channels that they watch that I'm not sure we would get at very easily without a cable subscription. So um I'm going to just talk to my family about it. Because, you know, if I say, hey guys, we're going to save enough to buy, you know, two plane tickets to Hawaii, you know, <laughs> or four plane tickets to Hawaii every two years, um, they may be willing to make some sacrifices. So we'll yeah, see.
0: Yeah, if you say two, the, two of them aren't going to be on board.
1: Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> well, I, so i got to figure out the numbers, but uh, we'll see. Um, it's it's definitely uh, something that I think is getting easier with time. And I really do feel like, and I said this at Max Sparky, I just feel like when HBO said, yeah, you can now buy us a la carte, it felt like, you know, the little Dutch boy pulling his finger out of the dike. It just seems to me that a lot of uh, independent content providers now are going to have to figure out a, a strategy for what happens next.
0: All right. Well, you can find links to everything that we've talked about in this episode over at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at five by five dot slash MPU. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd. David is Max Sparky. And Bradley, where can people find you both on Twitter and on the web?
2: My website is at ChambersDaily.com. I also write over at The Sweet Setup and at Tools and Toys. And um, I'm on Twitter at, at Bradley Chambers.
0: Sounds good. And if you thanks,
1: br- thanks Bradley for bringing all that great knowledge in today. And um, I guess we will see you all next week. Thanks to our sponsors: Warby Parker, Samebox, Fujitsu, and Linda.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.